Welcome to a very special 50th episode of the Omni Gamers Club podcast, the podcast for games on all platforms, including spelling words with your SpaghettiOs. I am Daniel Winter. Yeah, this is Mark USA. Yay, congrats. Happy 50th. <laughs> well, we figured it's the holidays and we're celebrating an anniversary. So this episode, we thought we might indulge a little bit and discuss one of our favorite topics that is food and games in all of the, the meanings you can interpret that. But uh, we thought, of course, food is best shared with friends. And who better to discuss that topic than the makers of Steam Up, A Feast of Dim Sum, Marie and Pauline from Hot Banana Games. Welcome. Hey! Hello, hello. I'm Pauline. I am Marie. Thanks for joining us. How are you both? Awesome. It's uh, been a wonderful holiday filled with lots of uh, board gaming nights and eating with our family and friends. Yeah, the I, best think kind of holidays. Right, I think you find the right person to talk about food. Excellent. <laughs> We've definitely wanted to have you on the show for a long time, not only because, of course, you live locally to us. We're all based out of Vancouver or thereabouts. And, you know, both your games are that I know of are related to food. So uh, we're definitely going to talk about that a bit. But, yeah, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you for inviting us to uh, join you for today's 50th episode. Congratulations on that. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we'll we'll discuss some food later. I'm very curious to hear what you, any particular traditions food-wise you had over the holidays. But for now, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've been working on? Obviously, Steam Up has been quite popular. I popped into our... Uh, friendly local gaming store, Rain City Games. And in the 10 minutes I was there, I saw two copies being sold. Uh, <laughs> very anecdotally, obviously, but it's been getting a lot of awards too. I, I saw you both at PAX Unplugged recently where you won Best R- R- Rising Publisher. Is it, was, that the, was that the award? Uh, very, very excited that we won the Dicebreaker Rising Publisher of the Year. Yes, congratulations. Well earned. That's great to, to see you getting some recognition there. And it was the, the Barnes & Nobles award you won earlier in the year, I believe? Yes, that is correct. Out of uh, uh, many selections of the titles, uh, which also are great as well, they chosen our game Steam Up as the game of the year. So we're very fortunate to be able to have Barnes & Noble help us spread the love of uh, dim sum to the community. Excellent. Unfortunately, we don't have the Barnes and Nobles here in Vancouver to uh, to, to see that uh, being celebrated. Yeah, we because earlier in the month we actually went to Plex and Plug, so we got the chance to actually tour some of the Barnes and Noble stores, and uh, we were very excited to see it, see Steam Up actually being featured in like like their own separate tables and stuff like that. As oh, fantastic! The so they're running yeah. demos in stores. Yeah, yeah, I heard that too. Yes. Oh, exciting. That's so great to to see. I mean, I always talk Daniel's ear off about <laughs> seeing the early prototypes of Steam Up at the Vancouver Playtest Group. Uh, I think everyone that attended those were always excited to see your prototype from early on because it just had such a like a a great vision. Everyone could sense what it would be like to engage in that type of a game and it's it's just like such a fun communal uh, activity not just playing your game steam up a fuse for dim sum but dim sum itself i don't know it just captures the theme so well so congratulations 
yeah, it's just like the cuisine itself. It's it just attracts the people. Look at at least look at what it is and try it out, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Especially during the time when uh, it was the pandemic, we weren't able to go out and being able to replicate it in a uh, on a table to be able to play as if we're eating and still enjoying the experience to share it with our family. Yeah, entertainment and food together that's, always goes well brilliant. together, right? Side <laughs> note, Absolutely. Preview for later is I remember <laughs> during the the height of the pandemic, I remember having dim sum outside in the parking lot of a restaurant here in Vancouver. I think it's called Pink Pearl, which is one of the older <laughs> dim sum restaurants, I believe, in Vancouver, and they have the carts. But this time around, that we were eating in the parking lot because of the, you know, the I guess the ventilation or whatever. And that's just going to be always a memory I'll keep with me is that crazy year or two of going through the the pandemic, social distancing thing and eating uh, dim sum in a parking lot. Well, the, the joy of dim sum knows no bounds. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well. I'm actually excited because uh, we've talked a lot about uh, Steam Up already. I've ta- uh, interviewed you guys a couple of times in the past, I think, even on my last podcast, uh, Tesco's Games. But uh, I wanted to find out more about your next game, which is also food themed. You want to tell us a little bit about you know, where you are in the development of that project and, and, and what it's all about? For sure. Our next game is called uh, Moon Bunny, uh, where you take on a role of a master bunny alchemist, um, which is inspired by Asian folklore. And your your task is basically going through a journey, hopping around the lunar landscape, getting gathering rare Asian herbs, such as uh, longan, ginseng, uh, lotus seed flower, and so on and so forth. And you're trying to get uh, use your unique hopping movement and then uh, choose the right uh, herbs to bring back to your workshop and then trying to arrange it in a specific pattern to brew the ultimate elixir of life bringing uh, health and happiness to everyone. And of course, whoever has the most points will win the game. It is a uh, competitive strategic game that uh, is for uh, one to four players and it lasts around 30 to 60 minutes. And of course it's eight euro and up. Currently we're now working on uh, the graphics and the illustrations and hopefully we'll have the prototype early next year. And then launching. Well, by the, the time you listen to this, I'm, I guess it will be actually be 2024. So this this year, sometime for, for those of you listening. <laughs> yeah. True that we're on the cusp of 2024. Exciting. Yeah. And then we actually went to um, we started to do some public playtesting too. So like because uh, locally we have a playtesting group uh, meetup too at Rain City Games, which is our local uh, board mm-hmm. game store. And then uh, we've been trying to go there and, and play test a little bit so then we can uh, finalize some development of the game and make sure that uh, it, it hit the right spot, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And fine tune all those uh, minor roles or like uh, UI, UX kind of graphics and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, that's so great that you you take the care to really involve uh, uh, potential playtesters early and often. You know, that's kind of critical. Um, I think too many uh, amateur game designers, which I'm not saying you guys are, you're, you're clearly beyond that at this point. <laughs> but I think too many amateur game designers just hold off too late into getting a game in front of people. And, you know, what is a game if not a shared experience with other people? So I, I think that's great that you're doing that. Especially with Kickstarter, it's hard to change a game too much once you've already gone to the public, right? And they've seen how it's functioning. You you can only sort of tweak it as is from that point. You can't really make these 
grand sort of big, big, big more experimental changes to the game. Right. And if I'm not mistaken, is Moon Bunny still about uh, moon cakes? Uh, because which is related to Lunar New Year, I believe, but I'm not super knowledgeable about that. So uh, during the mid-autumn festival, there is uh, uh, moon cakes. And then the moon bunny is actually based on one of the stories of the mid-autumn festival where the moon bunny went up to the moon. And uh, because of a sacrifice that they did, they were they wanted to be, the, uh, the higher-ups wanted to acknowledge the bunny. So then uh, it's accompanying another goddess. And then together they are making the herbs to actually brew the elixir of life. That is why our game is is inspired by this story and uh it does have mooncakes and squishy mooncakes in this game <laughs> um, because that's one of the things that can help boost up the or help the moon bunny grab certain things yeah so mid-autumn festival is usually around september in, in autumn every okay. year and uh yeah so mooncake is one of the main main food that we use to celebrate in the festival so we want to feature that this type of food in the game as well. Mm -hmm. And if you yeah. notice during Mid Autumn Festival, all those mooncake box, uh, the tin cans, uh, will have the bunny as well, um, and that's one of the main characters. Yeah, I'm a big fan of mooncakes. I already one of my favorite games from the last couple of years is called Mooncake Master, and that's yeah. that's a, a great ce celebration of, of that tradition as well. But excited to hear how you're incorporating some of the other cultural details and, and mythology there. It was one of the things I loved about Steam Up is how all the little details that you included and notes and the rules explaining the the significance of those things, like the the inclusion of the numbers on the dice and and how how the chopsticks are laid and and all. all all the fine little details like that were, were a lovely touch. Yeah, we try to carry on forward to our next game and maybe the, all the games in our in the future, um, just to in introduce like some you know Easter eggs or even like new knowledge to players who play our games. Exactly, it's one of the wonderful things about board games is being exposed to to new ideas. Yeah, and, and I must say, you know, like this is I don't know maybe a controversial point, but I, I just like to see. East Asian themes represented by people that have a cultural connection mm -hmm. to the themes that you're representing. And, you know, it doesn't have to be uh, just Asian themes I'm talking about. It can be African themes or Middle Eastern themes or, or First Nation themes. But it's nothing like it's nothing like someone from a culture representing itself, because I think you know, you can be so well-researched, but you just won't approach a subject with the same kind of sensibility, sensitivity, and, uh, you know, maybe uniqueness, a unique and angle. Nuance. <laughs> right, yeah. It, and, it, and also personal experience too, right? So, uh, like, even in, from the same culture, we might experience the same thing differently. So we kind of incorporate our personal experience into our, into our game too so it could be the same as other people or it might not be the same so yeah just a little you know personal taste into the game right for sure and, and vancouver is such an interesting place where we live because it's such a interesting blend of cultures from around the world it's all the kind of pacific rim lots of different cultures coming together in one spot and kind of leaning on each other and and, and uh, learning from each other and kind of getting into fusion types of cuisines but you know we'll dive into that in, in, in depth <laughs> in the main part of the show i'm sure awesome well should we talk a little bit about the games we've been playing maybe 
Excellent. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious, uh, Marie and Pauline, obviously we've talked a lot about board games, but are, are you both fans of video games as well? Yeah, we've been we've been playing video games since we're very little, actually. Excellent. Um, recently, not so much time, but I, I do still play some video games. Uh, I think Pauline does too. Yeah, I did. Uh, I'm still trying to finish up with Zelda Breath of the Wild. The first one. I know that there's a new one already. Oh, the first one, yes. To, trying, because it's hard to, you know, balance, you know, with work and also like designing, publishing. and But that that's the game I'm recently still trying to complete. Yeah. It's a bit. It's a big game. I'm. I'm still picking away at, at Tears of the Kingdom myself and trying to wrap up that up before the year's through. But uh, time is running out. <laughs> yeah, I think those games are actually. I think it's great if you take them over time because they're not so complex that it's not possible to pick them up. You know, some games like really high intense action or intense strategy even or either just really complicated games like some rpgs you just can't pick up if you've left it for a few months yeah but, it's hard to remember where you were what you were doing what the controls yeah, are but i feel like i dropped <laughs> breath of the wild for like six or nine months or a better part of a year and i i i just left it i picked it back up i played it for like two hours and i finished the game it's like what was I doing you know that that whole time but you know the the break oh, wow. yeah the that's break didn't make it a worse experience for me so I think that's come great. back with focus <laughs> what other games are have you been playing yeah what, what about you Danny? okay I'll, I'll go ahead <laughs> well I, I've been trying to wrap a few games before the end of the year and cl- clearing up some uh, some longer games that I, I fell off of and, and a, f- a few shorter uh, indie games. I, I'm trying to wrap up. I'm on the verge of finishing Plague Tale Requiem. So I'll probably talk about that on the next episode. But I also managed to complete in just a couple of sittings a new game that's on, available on Game Pass. That is Jusant or Jusant, which the game helpfully explains in the opening means it's a French nautical term for receding tide. And boy, has it receded because basically the whole world is you're walking around on the bottom of the ocean where the ocean once was. There's a giant stone spire uh, that you're trying to climb. And the whole surrounding area is just desert from where the ocean once was. And even as as you're climbing this tower, there's evidence that the part of the tower was was once covered in in water. But you're playing this little character who sensibly has the goal of climbing this giant tower for reasons unknown and it's basically a platformer where you're you're climbing with actual like rock climbing material you have a like a, a rope that you you secure and then try to climb up to, to higher platforms and it, it's it's all very there's not a lot of puzzle to it necessarily. It's mostly more in the platforming sense of trying to find the optimal path through the the climbable sections. But the, it gives you some nice little agency about like where you, you can tie down your rope a certain number of times in case you fall to catch you, uh, and a few little uh, little features like bugs that might help you climb. And it's most uh, mostly pretty a meditative experience of just of just climbing. But in the between that, you're also exploring the town because it's clear that there were people in on living on this tower at some point and over various periods of time as the 
as the water was receding. And so there's this really interesting archaeological element of piecing together through notes and logs about how these people were living, what happened, what changed, how culture changed over time. And that was a really fascinating uh, element for me. The the writing wasn't the best, but it it did give a great uh, sense of character and a a surprising amount of hope for a game that you're basically digging through the, the, the... the remnants of a, of a dead civilization. Uh, and it was just a very contemplative, meditative game, I found. B- beautiful graphics. It was a sort of some semi-animated, it's, like, it's highly detailed, but stylized in this, in this animated way that, that's really beautiful. Uh, wonderful sort of level design that felt very lived in. And it was a, a wonderful little short, relatively short experience. That sounds like a proper indie game. Yeah, I, I think it's published by Don't Nodge, who are actually well known for the the oh, what's the name of the the teens with time travel power? Oh, I, I know the ones you mean. Yeah, yeah, that that has that that series has moved on to a new publisher, but this is this is the original. The devs of the original moving on to a very different type of game, and I should. I'll insert in the notes what that game was. I'm trying, struggling to remember now. That's cool. Awesome. Uh, Maria, Marie, do you want to tell us about what you've been playing? Uh, I've been just playing some mobile games. One of the ones that I've been playing is called Honkai Star Rail, but it's basically a gacha game, uh, more like a turn-based uh, JRPG kind of style kind of game. Uh, it's just right now, like I, I usually have limited time, so it's good to have a game that I can just lock on with my phone <laughs> and then uh, play for like 10, 15 minutes and I'm done for the day, right? So, and I can lock in anytime and just just play a little bit and, and, and done for the day. <laughs> so that's all really I have time for right now, but uh, in the long run, I do want to go back to uh, getting a PS5 and go back to console gaming. Uh, it's been a long time since I play play a game on a console, really. So I kind of missed it. So maybe <laughs> yeah, next I, year I'm going to get PS5 and, and go for it. I remember you like to play a Kingdom of Hearts. Kingdom of Hearts, yeah. yeah I, like to, I like in my Final Fantasy Kingdom Hearts. Oh, I like Final Fantasy. Yeah. Uh, mostly <laughs> RPG, so. That's cool, yeah. It, nowadays, it's kind of... It's kind of like a great time for mobile and for console games, uh, PC obviously as well. It's kind of like, I don't know, the great convergence, you know, like mobile games are getting really like sophisticated now and mm. there's some really good stuff out there, even free-to-play stuff like Honkai Star Rail, I believe, is free-to-play, but, you know, it's some of it's like really yeah. deep and, um, you know, there's lots of obviously um, um, strong uh, gameplay to, to go back to. And then, like, if you are going back to console, there's great things on Xbox or PlayStation where they're kind of like subscription services where you can play from like a hundred different games at a given time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Game Pass on Xbox, and then there's like the PlayStation Plus, yeah. I think, well, on the PlayStation side. Yeah. And like, yeah, I think so. Yeah. You can get to try so many different things that you would never like buy yourself for like eighty dollars Canadian. Uh, yeah, you, can, you won't hear. Yeah, you can just. Try yeah, it. once you once I get, once I get the PlayStation PlayStation Five, you might not hear from me for a while. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Sounds like you deserve a break. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Okay, I'll talk a little bit about a game I've been playing. I've been playing an older title. It's called. Uh, it's like seven seven or eight years old now, but it's called Titanfall Two. Uh, it's also mm-hmm. on Game Pass, Xbox Game Pass, and it's from uh, Remedy, I believe. 
not remedy. No, no, respawn. <laughs> respawn Entertainment. That's what it is. That's yeah, the one. Respawn, yes, that's remedy. it. Yeah. I always get those two mixed up. Anyways, Respawn, um, I think they were more recently responsible for what is that? Um, like more adventure? No. A- Apex? They're responsible. I think? There's a couple teams now. Yeah, they do Apex Legends as well, which is technically a spin off of Titanfall, if I'm not mistaken. But mm-hmm. does Respawn also do oh, the Jedi Survivor? That- I think it might be a similar name, but <laughs> okay. I, I, I would be surprised if they're different because there's actually a lot of crossover. Titanfall. Yeah, respawn. There you go. No, there you go. Respawn. Um, Titanfall is like uh, essentially a first-person shooter from like former Call of Duty people who kind of broke off and and started their own studio. Titanfall Two was one of the very first first-person shooters that had only multiplayer. And it kind of like it kind of didn't sell that well. I think it was critically well received, but I don't think it sold that well because the, the original Titanfall that is not Titanfall too. one, yeah. Because at that time, people are still like, "Give us a, give us a campaign, give us a solo campaign." And I had heard that the solo campaign for Titanfall two is it was quite good. And I just for some reason I wanted just a dumb shooter, so, so I I booted it up on Xbox Game Pass, and it's actually a really good campaign. I've played single-player first-person shooter campaigns since, like, Half-Life 1. And this has been kind of a real treat. Like, it feels really fresh still. The graphics look really good still. It reminds me a lot of, you know, more newer games, like that Jedi Survivor that I was just talking about. And a lot of the gameplay mechanisms are similar. I know it didn't invent wall running, but it's so it's so kind of like stereotypical. <laughs> yeah, it does the, the, the parkour is really good in that game. It's, it's, it's a great sense of momentum and, and flow as you, as you bounce around between being on the ground as the human and then jumping into your giant robot and continuing some parkour there. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. And the, the jumping into the giant robot thing is fantastic. You know, I, I like many a uh, Gundam or Transformers fan, love the idea of giant robots. So... It's great that you can, you know, just run on the ground, shoot some beasts or some soldiers, and then jump into your giant robot who just grabs you and throws you into its cockpit. And the gameplay just continues seamlessly. And some of the level design is like ridiculous. This this you know, factory level, which is indescribable, kind of the kind of weird things you're doing in there. And it just feels really modern and fresh and like eminently playable. So if you get a chance, Titanfall 2, the campaign, you could probably buy it for like five bucks on sale. Uh, it's just really, really quality, even just for that solo campaign. So I'm enjoying that quite a lot. Yeah, it's a great game to, to revisit. There we go. Okay, I think we covered uh, video games. Should we talk about uh, tabletop? Yeah, why don't, why don't you, you continue on, Mark? What, what have you been playing on the tabletop lately? Sure. Well, I'm I'm bound to disappoint because uh, I haven't played any board games. <laughs> I only play board games on digital platforms. It seems I only play on Board Game Arena or on Steam versions of board games. Like you wouldn't you wouldn't believe how many hours of Terraforming Mars Digital and Scythe Digital I have on Steam. <laughs> and I just bought Dune Imperium recently, which I'm excited to try out. Um, but no, the, the only tabletop I've really played is a, a tabletop RPG called The Strange, which I've mentioned a few times, so I won't say much. I'll just say played a couple of sessions, enjoying it so far. 
And yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to the next one. So. This is the one that plays somewhat like the what was sliders. Yeah. Stargate or something. Yeah, that's right. It's basically like it's modern day, but you work for an organization kind of like the FBI, like Fox Mulder and Dana Scully do. And you basically go into parallel dimensions and the rules for those dimensions are totally different. So when you go to the, it, you yourself go to this fantasy dimension, or you can go to this sci-fi dimension, or you could even go to a dimension that's fictional. Like you could go as, as you, you know, uh, Murray and Pauline, you could go to Sherlock Holmes land. That's pretty cool. And if you go there, everyone there believes what their dimension is, is real. But when you trans transport over to that other dimension, you actually become part of that world. If it's a fantasy dimension, you might become a fantastical person. Like, mm -hmm. so your character totally changes. Uh, I kind of like those kind of hidden secrets going on. Like, uh, I guess kind of like Men in Black. You know, mm -hmm. how everyone thinks the world is normal, but there's like lots of secret stuff going on. I've been enjoying that quite a lot. Enjoying introducing it to people. And uh, yeah, I'll try and continue that on the tabletop as long as I can with my uh, current group of uh, players. Very cool. Multiverses are definitely hot right now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, for sure. Marie, what have you been playing on the tabletop lately? Uh, I've been playing really light games, especially because of the holiday season. I've been playing uh, with my family to sort of introduce some really light board games such as the classic Ticket to Ride. And uh, I also play a game called Old Snap. So, and then uh, there's also, which is the new series or the continuation from Pond Salad, which is Pond City. So I've been having a lot of fun with that as no, well. No, I love some Point City. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I've been playing a lot of light games. It's just, just a way to introduce or hook my family up with like different board games and started to get them going with the hobbies. I know Paul yeah, has been doing the same too. It's, it's tough I, with with uh, family trying to find that sweet spot between like the, the right theme, the right complexity to to, to hook them in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We started. I started kind of started with some dexterity, simple dexterity game first, and then slowly introduced more like strategy games such as Ticket to Rise. So then they that which require more steps and you know uh, different actions you can do and stuff like that mm -hmm. yeah. i'm not familiar with oh snap did you want to tell us a little bit about that one? Oh, it's a game that i introduced to marie and her family is a dexterity game where it's like there's a board with like a cross uh, um crossbow that uh, has a little a bunch of like mini little pieces inside and you're trying to move these round pieces out and if in if it causes the crossbow to move, then you lose that piece, which means you lose that point. So there's three different types of... Uh, it's like a circular kind circular of... Thing. <laughs> there's like a yellow piece that's like three points, a red piece is one point, and a blue piece is five points. So we basically alternate trying to take out these pieces without moving the crossbow. Oh, and then okay. uh, at the end, you know, basically when all the pieces are, re are removed from the board, whoever has the most point wins. And uh, so then their parents uh, got so excited. And then, you know, sometimes <laughs> we take a long time thinking, oh, which one, which piece, um, like looking at the board, like which piece will not move while 
you take it out. It takes a while. And then, so then what happened is they start adding a timer of five seconds. You only have five <laughs> seconds to think, and then you have to pull it out. If you don't pull it out, you already lose your turn. And then every round, everybody around the table start counting down with the, with the five seconds. And then we all, we all got really excited about it. Yeah. It builds <laughs> adrenaline and you're like, shoot, like, don't, don't <laughs> think you're going to come back. Like, like counting down, you're trying to look for which piece is the best piece to take out. Yeah, it's great when games can sort of have options for ramping up the escalation, especially when, when, when like family members get hooked and just want to play that one game over and over again. And lots of the, finding lots of little ways to just gradually ramp up the complexity or the, the, the tension there. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a great time. Yeah. Pauline, anything else you've been playing? Yeah, uh, so I also built this uh, uh, board called Tumbling Dice. Uh, that's oh, a very, yes. very classic game and then I, I wasn't able to find anywhere to purchase it so then I made my own version you and built I, your own wow yeah I built my own and then uh, of course I also introduced it to my family and then uh, hang over with the Marie's family and then they like that too because it's nice and simple and then afterwards uh, another two games that I played was uh, Cube and then Planet Unknown Cube is like a relatively new game that just came out this year and then um, you're trying to basically have you played it, uh, uh, Daniel or Mark? No, I'm not familiar with that. So no, it's no. a yeah, it's a there's it's a language independent game, which is great because you know you don't need to worry about the language. And there's six different colors on each hexagon, and you're trying to take turns placing it on and trying to get rid of like the different types of uh, tiles because they make you lose more points. And so each hexagon tile actually have three different colors. They mm -hmm. can be the same. They can be different. Mm -hmm. And there's also colors that are black, which blocks you from placing. Uh, tiles around it and then uh, you basically have uh, uh, let's say I have 15 tiles she has 15 tiles and we're basically placing it all until we no longer can place it down and then you count the remaining tiles and then you're trying to get the least point like you try because you're trying to get rid of all the tiles and then whoever hmm. able to get rid of all their tiles of course is the winner mm -hmm. and then with that game I actually had to do some modification um, because there's six different, I think there's six or seven, no, I think there's yeah seven or eight colors. And then uh, we're not colorblind, but then, you know, when the lighting of the house, it can make it <laughs> the colors uh, similar. So then I, I actually cut out vinyl and then uh, stick it onto the uh, tile. <laughs> you add numbers. I add oh, numbers. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so then sometimes now my family will be like, oh, they just look at, oh, where's one and three? Okay, do I have a one and three tile rather than looking at the colors? <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, it's, it helps to make it. More accessible for a, a yeah. wider range of people. That's that's yeah. great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great tip. Excellent. I'll have to keep an eye out for that. Yeah, and then the other game is uh, Planet Unknown. Uh, it's a polygamical game, and it's like simultaneous play at the same time. Um, You're trying to build a planet, basically. Yeah. Right? yeah. You try to build rows and columns, and you know, like almost like Tetris. You're trying to you know puzzle it together. Yeah. And then they also have a turn kind of lazy Susan as well too. Yeah. And then that one, I also had to make a modification as well because <laughs> it didn't have a like when you stand the game up and then all the tile pieces falls out of the uh, lazy yes, Susan. Yeah, I did, I did see that issue. <laughs> yeah. So then what I did was actually, you know, those hair nets um, or shower caps, or shower caps, I should yeah. say the shower caps. So then I just put the shower cap on top and then put a foam uh, on top of it. So now it stands up. I can stand it up without the tiles coming out. <laughs> There you go, dropping all of the, uh, the the life hacks for board gamers out there tonight. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, Pauline is like the arts and crafts person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a cool way to extend your hobby is to customize and, and uh, add your own game aids, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Making it a little bit more functional and more, like, you know, 
easy, accessible. <laughs> Excellent. Well, with that said and done, shall we be ready for the main the main course? <laughs> That's right. Bring on the main dish. Okay, we'll just take a short break and we'll be back to discuss food and games. Okay, so this is a brand new format that we're trying out. Uh, it is our special 50th anniversary, so we're allowed to take a little little license with our show. And uh, like we said, we wanted to talk about games, food, food, games, and then just like restaurants in Vancouver. Because, hey, even if you're not from here, maybe you'll come join us at Shucks and you'll have some built-in restaurant recommendations. So let's talk about... Uh, games and food first. Maybe uh, everyone could kind of tell us the first game that they think of when they think of tasty food. And I will shoot it to uh, Marie. You want to tell us about a game with food or a food game? Uh, Pawn salad. Hey, there you go. It's, it's built <laughs> right in. Yeah. And for me, I would say uh, Ravel Restaurant or Dice Veggie. Nice. Oh, but, uh, I, I sadly missed out a copy of that at uh, at Pax Unplugged. <laughs> well, actually, I know I know Point Salad pretty well, and like that's kind of like a joke, right? Like it's a, it's like a because there's that term. Maybe not everyone uh, in our audience knows about that term, but Point Salad kind of means like a game where there's a bunch of different scoring conditions, and you can win by you don't have to do everything. But you probably want to do two or three different things, and a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and point salad is kind of a joke on that because there's like, what six types of fruits and veggies, I think. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And six types of uh, suits, I guess, if you want to call it that. And then each card on the back has like a scoring condition, and then it's basically just like scoring condition, scoring condition, and um, it's really, it's really cute and clever. I think. I think that's like a modern classic. Because it's it's light, but strategic and tactical. I don't know. What, what do you guys think about points out? It's a yeah, little it's, light yeah. for my taste, but I, most of those issues, all the issues I had with it, are basically solved by Point City, which I much prefer as a game. But mm -hmm. uh, the the core is is certainly a lot simpler and streamlined in in Point Salad. It's it's one of the entry games that we introduce to anyone that is not familiar with board games, like with our friends. Like, uh, it's just easy, very easy to teach and and uh, caught on how to play. Yeah, um, and it's a it's a great way for kids, especially if they don't like vegetables. This is the only way they say they <laughs> eat something vegetable. Nice, yeah. <laughs> Encourage them. It's like you play some games. Now you know what these vegetables there are. You go. Eat them. Yeah, I think <laughs> the complexity from like points out comes from like it's it's easy to finish to complete one kind of scoring condition but the complexity comes when you're trying to balance like four or five scoring conditions um similar to like ticket to ride the aforementioned right it's like it's easy to condition complete one route but completing three or four routes is is kind of hard to to, to balance so that is a group yeah. Yeah, yeah at the same time suggestion um, do you want to tell us a little bit more about what was it? Restaurant Rivals? Rival Restaurant? Oh, Rival Restaurant. Oh, yeah. The kids love, my family love it so much because it's a, it's a basically a game where you're trying to complete your, um, um, you're trying to cook dishes. Cook dishes. And then, of course, you get more points and more likes if you cook something that you are 
famous for. Like, for example, if I got a board that is like served Chinese food, so I try to complete as much Chinese dishes as I can to get more likes and but popularity you, points. I guess that's. But what you they can say. still cook up like, uh, other food like a French well. dish or like a pasta dish or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically, on a on a turn, you would uh, uh, grab money first, and then afterwards, you use use your character to go on the board to choose a section of the board where you want to collect and pay. Uh, your money to get those uh, ingredients. ingredients. Yeah. So, example, there's like a meat section, there's a veggie section, a wheat section, and then dairy section, or like um, uh, a mystery mart, and <laughs> so on and so forth. And then afterwards, once you go there, then of course you may have to compete with another player because they also want the same food as you, ingredient as you. Then afterwards, you grab that ingredient, pay off your money, and then afterwards, there's this part that we love. Uh, the most was just like very interactive. It's basically you try to negotiate and bargain with your neighboring friends or family, and trying to say, "Hey, I'll, I'll trade you for that mushroom for like you know the pork and um, uh, pork and uh, uh, egg because I need those two ingredients to complete my dishes, right?" So then you have a give and take, and but you only have one minute because there's a timetable or timer. Time, a timer, right? A sand time, sand timer. And then once you do that, then you cook, and then you continue this game either until you basically reach, I think, a certain amount of points, and then the uh, first one who goes there will win the game. Yeah, this game can be very loud because during the negotiating, negotiating phase, everybody trying to yell across the table, and like、uh, especially when you play with kids, oh yeah, <laughs> they would just keep yelling. <laughs> so it's it's a very、okay. uh, you know interactive game. Yeah, lively game. <laughs> Excellent. That one's been on my、uh, shelf of shame for a while. I was hoping to get to it before this、uh, episode. Actually, it didn't quite happen. But I love the the the, the range of different cuisines you have there. It's a very multicultural game. It's very、uh, sort of colourful, cartoony art style. That's that's that has a lot of character and、uh, yeah, lots of tasty food. Nice. Yeah. That that's the kind of negotiation game I like best. Is where it's simultaneous. Like, let's screw the kind of polite. Quiet negotiation that happens at the end of every round. You know, it should just be all at once, a big dog pile. That sounds fantastic. It happens fast too, so you're not dragging it out, and、uh, everyone's getting getting into the nitty gritty and 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 haggling back and forth for the forever. <laughs> awesome. All right, Daniel, you want to tell us about a game you think of when you think about food and games? Yeah, well, I, I already mentioned one earlier, which was Mooncake Master from Daryl Chow,、uh, and he has another one in the same line from Aura Game called Walk and Roll. Those two of my favourites from the last couple of years. Mooncake Master is basically a, a, a tile drafting game. You, they, these really. Th- Large, thick tiles that feel almost like coasters. They're not quite big enough to be a coaster, but a little heftier than, say, a, a Carcassonne tile. But basically, you get a handful of these. Or you, you, t- you take three at a time. You keep one, and then you pass one to either neighbor, or one to each neighbor, I should say. And you do that several times, and each each one has basically a quarter segment of a mo- of a, a mooncake. And after you've done this a few times, you have enough to make three mooncakes. And so you, you lay them out, and you're trying to match the right, the same flavors, match up some、uh, egg yolks. You've got、uh, customers who、uh, have、uh, various proclivities in what in what type of mooncake they want,、uh, and for, for fairly mild、uh, sort of requirements you're trying to fulfill. But it's it's a very snappy game. It plays very quickly because it's all playing simultaneously. Everyone's drafting at the same time, so it, it, it plays very quickly. And this. 
always when you when you're passing tiles in either direction, that's just a really simple and effective way of getting everyone involved. And you, you sort of glancing at each other's boards to see what they want, but not in a, like a super detailed way. It's, it's just just enough. Uh, sort of complexity that it's getting everyone involved and, and plays quickly and it's, it's a great time it's my favorite pub game or one of my favorites at the moment because it's a small small box and i said just passing a bunch of coasters around at the pub is always good fun yeah i played that one and it definitely looks nice it's got a unique kind of you might think like clashing color palette but it just kind of works and you know it's kind of simplistic art it's just yeah it's just a nice nice package and you know what? I'm literally just now remembering that it was uh, Marie and Pauline who passed this on to me. <laughs> <laughs> we want to uh, share the love of all the... Um, Asian Fiend games. Yeah. Yes, yes. So thanks so much for that. It's a, it's a wonderful little game. There you go. You, 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 you played it yourself, I, I recall? Yes, we did. And we also played the other game you also mentioned, the Walk and Roll. Did you want to... Um, Maybe for those who don't know, do you want to explain a little bit about it? Yes, well, that's, it's, it's a uh, it's a, a roll and write game. Each player has their own menu for a sort of a Chinese restaurant that you're drafting ingredients to to fill up the various meals from like uh, various it a broccoli, no, vegetables and, and meats and, and seafood, and each each meal having a particular list of ingredients and you're rolling the dice to try and draft them to fill up these these meals but the, the one of the, the cooler details is that the the box has a little plastic wok in it that all the components come in but then you actually roll the dice into the wok and uh you, you're drafting the dice from there it's a, it's a cool deal like i think everyone can pick one dice but the no sorry no, sorry one every one player rolls all the dice but there's one dice that only they have access to uh and so that you, you're also trying to to roll the other dice in such a way that the other players might not want so again a little bit of just enough interaction that you're trying to get, get a rough idea of what everyone else is trying to do uh, and get, get keep everyone involved and and roll and write is obviously a lot of fun especially when you when you add in some nice food all right, cool. I'm going to quickly mention a couple of games that uh, I'm, uh, make me think about food. Uh, I'm going to talk about, I think we haven't mentioned video games yet, but uh, definitely my first food or my first strongest food game memory um, on the video game side is uh, mm -hmm. a series of games, I guess, now called Cooking Mama. And I think they first came out on DS or 3DS or one of the, you know, the touch, touch the two screen game systems from Nintendo, the portables. And it's basically like the challenge is your mission is cook this one dish. And it's one of the originators of just the cooking simulator sort of thing. And you have to use the touch stylus, I guess. And you touch the touch panel and you, you know, you stir, you stir the, the bowl, you whisk the eggs, you kind of chop and slice the fish or the veggies or this and that, and you toss the ingredients into a bowl. And then you follow all, very roughly, all the steps of cooking a particular dish. It might be some sort of Japanese curry, or grilled fish, or sushi roll, or flan, you know, in the case of a dessert, or something like that. And um, it's all very, very simplistic, very, very cutesy. Um, but some of the later levels can get pretty fiendishly challenging. And um, it's just all kind of just goofy, tactical, tactile play. But uh, they still are making those games. Maybe the quality is not as good as it used to be. I heard the last one was pretty rough. 
<laughs> yeah, but uh, the last one I played was actually on Apple TV because it's part of the oh, wow. Apple, Apple TV oh. whatever game membership or whatever that thing is. Uh, so if you're missing that sort of gameplay, you can still try it out um, with GamePad or with the game remote even. So Cooking Mamas is something I think about even to this day. Yeah, so that's basically a bunch of short micro games, something akin to WarioWare, right? Yeah, pretty much that. It's it's all about just the quick slice, 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 dash, dash, dash. And it's very, like, minimal on instruction. Like, they almost don't, like WarioWare, don't want you to know what to do. You just kind of have to get in there. <laughs> Fumble around. And try it and, and screw up a few times. So, it's still cute. Burn, burn a few steaks along the way. Yeah. The, Crack a few eggs. Yeah, it's this. it's got this very stereotypical... Japanese mama um, voiceover. Yeah. Betas and mama is, is what she says, uh, which always uh, makes me and my wife chuckle because she liked that game a lot. So that's a good one. And also, it's kind of the inspiration for a game we covered in more depth called Venba, which is about mm. Indo-Canadian family and their cross-cultural experience uh, in Canada cooking um, Indian food. Yeah, that's a wonderful example of uh, real-world cooking in games. And, and games ha- have, tend to have a lot of fantasy food, but that was a wonderful example of a very specific personal cultural uh, reflection on, on food. That um, and, and, and good fun to play too. There was, again, there was a lot, lots, of, lots of mini games had you making food, but engaging with all the traditional tools and, and, and techniques... Is that a digital game too? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. on on its own Game Pass and most other platforms. Oh. It's a, it's a short sort of story game. It's mostly this, it's like a visual novel, but uh, there has little mini games where you're making food in in between certain story beats. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I'm gonna check it out. After this guy's this. great art <laughs> and really touching story, and we yeah. did a whole episode covering it. So it's uh, well worth checking out that game. Right. Spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, Pauline, do you want to tell us about another game that makes you think about food? I think there's actually, um, I think, two other games. Like One is a Dice Veggie. I think uh, Daniel also mentioned it. It was at the uh, Pax Plug. So I was able to get a copy before it got sold out. <laughs> and uh, it's a very good, uh, it's a nice uh, family-friendly game where you basically, you actually have like, a nice punch board um, knife and then you're basically chopping the dice which gives you different color different numbers and you're trying to complete your dishes and then well uh, different dice represent different different veggie right yeah Yeah. so you're trying to chop on a board as if you're chopping veggies Mm -hmm. right and then you only can chop from the outside in you cannot chop something in the middle you have to and then once you chop a certain uh, dice i think you you cannot uh, pass like certain uh uh 10 like a 10 i believe and then you uh the peeps adding to 10 i should say and then afterwards you put it onto your board i sorry not your board your cards and it'll give you different points um, based on what you uh, have completed and then after a certain couple of rounds then the player who has the most point will win yeah, I think I think knife undersells it a little bit. This is a cleaver. It's this huge. Um, <laughs> yes. you're, you're hacking off dice with it, which looks like a lot of fun. Uh, very very tactile, immediate uh, element there to to pe- peeling those dice off the off the center. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very looking forward to trying that one. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend it. <laughs> and there's uh, 
Oh, and then there's actually two games I'm very looking forward to. I backed it on Kickstarter, which is also、uh, one of them is based on the same、uh, publisher from Dice Veggie. It's Wasabi.、Uh, oh yes, that's a reprint of, of an older game, I believe. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. And then the other one is Charcuterie. Uh, Yo,、yeah. yes, yes. I've I've been saying we need a charcuterie themed game for years, and it's finally happening. So that was the my, the last thing I did at at Pax Unplugged. I was I was trying to get a demo of that the whole weekend, and finally, like ten minutes before the hall closed, I managed to get a quick game of that in. Well, wonderful. Do you want to explain how the game a little play a little bit? It's basically is a bag with a whole bunch of different charcuterie elements, the different cheeses and and meats and fruits, and you've, you've, every player has a, a component,、uh, sorry, an, an objective that they might want a, a, this combination of a particular cheese and meat, or they want fruit to be touching cheese, and you're drafting these tokens, and you're all placing them collectively in the middle of the board, and there's some importance there as about what type of food is touching. What other like what, what the adjacencies are? What's touching? What's on top of another type of food? And so it's, it's, you're all collectively drafting and, and forming the charcuterie with the, the con- conflicting objectives. Or is it? Or do you have? I think you, do you have your own charcuterie board? I don't. I don't remember. Maybe everyone has their own individual one. But、uh, again, very, very immediate tactile、uh, thematic implementation. Very nice. Daniel, could, do you have any other game suggestions that、uh, you make you think of food? Yeah, well, on the video game front, I think we'd be remiss to not mention JRPGs. I mean, anime has always been very big on、uh, showing food in its very wondrous, <laughs> highly detailed way, and JRPGs aren't far off from there.、Uh, a couple ones that come to mind is Persona. And all of the different stores that you can visit around, and like the the, the Bang 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 Burger or something, I think it's called. The, the, all these little takeaway stores that all have their own theme and 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 quirk.、Um, similarly, Yakuza has a lot of like little individual stores with different types of food, and they're like all loving lovingly rendered in in high detail.、Uh, but I think Final Fantasy certainly comes to mind. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the the classic. Cup noodles in in Final Fantasy fifteen. I, I know Mark that you're a fan of,、uh, of of cup noodles. Oh yeah, I am kind of obsessed. I've been to the cup noodle museum twice、uh, in Yokohama actually, and you get to make your own cup noodles there in a the little make your own factory setting. It's quite fun, but yeah, totally. FF fifteen is great. It kind of follows that like Monster Hunter model of you know kill the monster, get the ingredient, and make that delicious looking food around the campfire sort of thing. Uh, I guess、uh, the Zelda games actually, the, the numerous Zelda games do that too, right? Collecting the monster pieces or the fruits or whatever or fish out in the yes, wilds, and、yes. then you cook them up and you make yourself some power ups. And gotta watch out for that dubious <laughs> food. But that's just such an addictive loop, right? Is like you get the ingredients and you cook them up, you power yourself out up, and then you go out and then you do some more hunting. I love that.、Uh, it's just such a classic motif. It just works. And the last game I'm going to mention is actually、uh, a tabletop role-playing game that follows that exact model. So it's called Wilder Feast, and it's not even out in retail yet. It just had a Kickstarter, but it、uh, has a nice free quick start guide that's available. Anyone can download it, and it basically follows exactly that model that I just mentioned from Monster Hunter.、Uh, there's four phases. 
First phase is free play. You can, it says, quote, I quote, be creative and form connections with the world around you. The trail is, is, is second phase. Explore the wild as you follow signals left behind by the monsters. Uh, phase three is the hunt. Confront your prey using all of your training, wits, and monstrous strength. And phase four is the feast. So you gather around the fire to share a meal with your pack mates and presumably gain the benefits of the dishes that you cook. So I can't think of you know another fun, addictive gameplay loop like that uh, that's done so well in video games. And it sounds like it's being translated over into a tabletop role-playing setting. So that one looks exciting. Yeah, like the, one thing that a lot of games do miss is the sense of communal eating like similarly to you just mentioned final fantasy 15 did that well but the sense of sharing a meal often isn't represented in these games and that's uh that looks to be a wonderful element of uh wilder feast yeah i think that that's the best part about final fantasy 15 is that you're you're just hanging out with your pals right by the campfire going on the road trip and and cooking yourself some food and i think in newer games like Baldur's gate 3 are doing that to great effect and, uh, you know, role-playing games are, are great for that because it's all about the group activity. Yeah, Absolutely. You get, yeah, you get to touch the characters as well, right? Definitely. And, and show off, you know, it gives, it gives an opportunity for you to show off your skills or your yeah. tastes. The Tales of games actually always had a strong cooking component built into them. And depending on what you cook one night, it affects your performance the following day as you go out and do questing. Okay, guys, I think we're, we've talked for a while about uh, games and food. What do you think about talking about food in the real world, in the world where we reside? You know, Vancouver is an awesome place to be <laughs> because it has all these different cultural restaurants where you can have, you can uh, taste all these different uh, varieties. Ah, absolutely. Food, including like, uh, like uh, I like John 316, it's a Malaysian Singaporean food. Um, I really like their laksa and like uh, chicken wings and roti. Um, and like if Thai food, there's King Kao. Uh, and there's this place called, which I, I grew up eating, is Long's Noodles. It's a Shanghainese food. It used to be on Main Street and then there was fire happening. And then so they end up having to relocate. And thankfully, they relocate much closer to me now. So <laughs> um, it's in Richmond. And then there's, um, there's Shalomba, which is like a soup uh, uh, dumpling. It's so good. <laughs> And thinking about it, I'm like... Oh, Shalom Bao is my oldest kid's favorite yeah. food. And when we get... Uh, we, we call them XLBs yeah. in my household. <laughs> and um, when we get Shalom Bao, like, sometimes we have to get two or three trays <laughs> just so that the adults will also get a taste of them left over from the kids eating it. Mm-hmm. It's addictive. Like, yeah, easily I can fill, finish one steamer myself. One each, right? Uh, one steamer each. Mm-hmm. I heard that we're getting a, guess- a, a Din Tai Fung, I think it's called, the chain that... Uh, that's where I first tried Xiaolong yeah. uh, Bao. Uh, I, 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 it's, it's mixed opinions as to how authentic it is, but I, I that's, that's what I first experienced them by, so I have a, yeah, I have I, a, a I, fun spot for it. <laughs> yeah, I actually heard they might be opening one in Vancouver. Yes, that's what I meant, so, yeah. I uh, downtown yeah. somewhere, I believe. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think the Excellent. well, you mentioned um, you mentioned Malaysian cuisine there. I have to, I have to try uh, John three sixteen. Was it? I have, to, I have to take some notes here. But one of the the best meals I've ever had, I think, was banana leaf uh, downtown. Oh, yes. That was uh, ex- excellent Malaysian food. Probably one of my top cuisines, to be honest. I is one of the North Shore here that I've, I've got to try uh, because I yeah I, I think I can can't get enough Malaysian. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's too bad we can't spend like another hour because uh, there's so much ground to cover with so many great restaurants here. But I'm just going to like mention a couple of my highlights and then do the comparison. So a lot of people ask me because I'm Japanese Canadian about where to get good sushi. And I actually don't eat a lot of sushi in Canada because most of it's not good, uh, in my opinion. Um, and that's, <laughs> I know that's going to make me sound like a total snob. I will totally eat Fujiya sushi, no problem. <laughs> I'll totally eat whatever is handed me, no problem. Okay, yeah. But I don't seek it out. I don't know. I guess I seek out more like hot Japanese food, the family style things. So the one place where we go for a good blend of that, my wife and I will go for a special occasion, is a place called Restaurant Yugo. It's on Main Street. It's a little bit pricier. It's Japanese-French fusion cuisine, and they have great sushi. They have great, you know, inventive nigiri, uh, and they have oshizushi. But their their specials are always good. And I think, you know, the best way to judge a, a Japanese restaurant is by specials. If they don't have any specials, avoid it, because it just means that they don't care about ingredients. But if they have good, exciting specials, and interesting creative dishes then i'm all for it so restaurant you go would be would be my pick for for sushi excellent i i have pretty low standards when it comes to sushi because i'm from australia where everyone has a story about getting food poisoning where a tuna roll <laughs> means literally canned tuna in, 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 a, in a in a in a roll uh, and uh, yeah, not not great experience. So compared to that, even the the, ch- the cheapest sushi in Vancouver is is pretty great. So we had a lot of lot of fresh fish and and, and sashimi, obviously. Uh, unfortunately, a few of my favorites have closed in the last few years. Uh, but one of my my top suggestions for just n- n- no nonsense, fairly um, st- straightforward, is is Momo Sushi in Gastown. It's not going to be anything particularly like new or exciting or specials wise, but it just does the classics well. Very nice. Do you like Japanese food, uh, Marie and Pauline? Definitely, I love it so much. And me and uh, me and uh, Marie went to Japan recently, and I do have to say the the uh, sushi is so good in Japan, and uh, something that I cannot find here. But um, there is a place that I do like eating. It's uh, the Mantaiko Udon, and uh, you can find that at Raisu, which is like in uh, Vancouver. Yeah, Raisu is great. I really like that place too. They have a lot of great bowls. Like they have great udon. They have great like kind of stone bowl rice dishes. You know, look, mm-hmm. a lot of them are like maybe recipes that are fusions of Japanese and Chinese or Japanese and Korean style dishes or Japanese and Western style dishes. And, and I'm all for that because, you know, the more creative, the better, in, in my opinion. What, what is men? And rice what is, is a great spot. Again, it's like fish eggs or? or it's a uh, cod roll. Oh, yeah. I forget whether it's, it's the standard or the spicy cod roll. Yeah. Um, and you can kind of like create like a, kind of like a sauce out of it right. sometimes if you blend it with mayo or things like that. It's, it's great in like a rice ball or in like a sauce. Yeah. 
Now on the on the Japanese food front, I might mention a couple of other places because I've just been really wanting to go. <laughs> I, think,、uh, I really like yakitori. Oh yeah. And yakitori, I'm sure you you probably had a chance to go when you were in Japan. He's just like kind of like meat on a stick. Tori is specifically、mm-hmm. chicken, but sometimes they have other stuff like pork or veggies. And there's only really one decent yakitori restaurant in Vancouver, and it's called Zakushi. Which is not to say there aren't great、uh, skewer restaurants, because there's plenty of great skewer restaurants in Vancouver and Richmond, much more on the on the Chinese style. But Japanese style zakushi is great. Yeah. The secret is high heat over quality charcoal, and they do it really well there. And they have other like izakaya style dishes to go along with it. So, yeah, I just don't get me started with yakitori. I'll eat like, you know sixty skewers if I get a chance, <laughs> all by myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of my、uh, go-to restaurant to get our craving from yakitori as well in Vancouver.、Uh, I, I, yeah, I can't really. I, I, I think this is really the only Japanese yakitori skewer place that we go to besides、uh, the options Chinese versions. In, yeah,、uh, I really like the Chinese、uh, skewer、uh, skewer places、Definitely. too. Like、Definitely、I love、right. the the lamb with the、yeah. cumin seasoning. That just Is super addicting to me as well, so I'm all for that. Yeah, there's a restaurant that we went recently for a near Christmas.、Uh, it's a BBQ Home Lab. Lab yeah, yeah. yeah, they have like really good、uh, Chinese skewers with the cumin and all that. And there's lamb. I don't eat the lamb, but I mean, I, I like the chicken and the beef. <laughs> so the restaurant itself is like、uh, it's it's like.、Uh, The video games that you mentioned, like their theme is like camping. It's called so like the decorations all like kind of cabin style. Like、uh, you kind of just chill out with a bunch of friends with like a few drinks and skewers,、like, skewers <laughs>、uh, and snacks.、Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're still in the camping setting. Yeah, yeah and they're very.、Um, how should I say? It's like.、Uh, mid- Thoughtful, like because you know it's a very a place that you can chat a lot. So they actually put the skewers on this pl- like this f- aluminum foil, which has fire underneath. It's、so、like it a warmer, a warmer, warmer to say.、Mm-hmm. It keeps the skewers warm, so you can、uh, still eat and talk, and it, the, the food is still、That、sounds、awesome. so great. I love a themed restaurant. I'm a sucker for a themed restaurant.、Mm-hmm. Japan is is yeah, if you visited、yeah. there is, is <laughs> so full of places like that. Have you guys ever gone to that ninja restaurant in Japan or in New York? I heard there? there's one, but we haven't been. Have you have you been? I've been once. Yeah, my my、um, more、uh, well-to-do relatives took me there、uh, in Akasaka, and it's it's ridiculous. It's like going to a theme park and getting a、mm-hmm. meal at the same time,、yeah. because the first thing you do when you enter the building is like you have to go through this like obstacle course <laughs> and like make your way through these like traps, and of course. Nothing's gonna be like life-threatening or anything like that, but you really get into the theme, and it's just kind of hilarious, you know, to have a fun activity, and you get these、uh, fun like kind of ninja-themed dishes, which are all all quite good and tasty. Some of them will like have like a fuse, and they'll explode in your face <laughs> in, in a safe、cool. manner, or they might, you know, you mix two ingredients and they change color or. Or steam, magical mist rises out of them, or something like that. But in the middle of your meal, like in your fourth or fifth course, a close-up magician <laughs> who's dressed up in ninja gear will come up and do like close-up magic for you, and that's supposed to be related to ninjas somehow. But it's just a, it's just a great laugh and a, a good time. So. Definitely recommend that if you can ever get to. Is to is medieval、restaurant. times still a thing 
did, did, were those ever in Canada or was that just that's the US thing? <laughs> it's definitely a stereotype. Like they, they, they make fun of medieval times on like South Park and stuff. Like I know that, it seems so. very daggy. But I'd, I'd love to check one of those out one day. <laughs> Yeah, Marie and Pauline, do you know what medieval times is? It's the way of the knights and you eat with your um, hands. And I actually had to like, uh, I think I remember uh, doing it in, uh, I think LA, was it? That they had that. Oh, awesome. Yeah. You don't actually eat with your hands? Yeah, you have to eat with your hands. But I refuse to eat as it can have chopsticks or knife and fork. They Cut said no, you have band. to eat with your hands. <laughs> Bring your own. Yeah, right? So then I, I modify it. So I just grab tissue, like, tissue and just use it. Because for me, I don't like using my hands to eat. <laughs> Oh man! And are you supposed to? Are you literally supposed to like throw the chicken bones and whatever over your shoulder or whatever, or throw it on the ground? Oh, that part I didn't do. I just left it on. I don't. I don't quite remember if we are we're supposed to, but I remember like um, just eating with my hands and then enjoying a nice show with the the horse. The they were going riding on the horse in the center for entertainment. Also, right, the jousting. Yeah. Oh man! That was I hope cool. the horses weren't too stinky for you. Oh no, it wasn't. They were very, very, it was very nice. I enjoyed the experience. But I mean, as in like in, in, in everything but the using the hands. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Um, the last thing I'll mention for fun food uh, is uh, actually not Japanese related is um, hot pot. Mm. There's a lot of good hot pot restaurants in Vancouver and Richmond. Um, but with so many re good restaurants, there's so many different opinions. So I want to kind of, well, ask all of you, Daniel included, whether you got some good tips. The one that my family likes to go more recently is called Big Way, which is kind of unique in that everyone gets to have a pot of their own. Mm. And um, basically, you, you walk in and you choose all of your toppings from like this wide selection of noodles, seafood, meats, veggies, just all manner of stuff. They have wild, you know, tofu. Um, they have wild stuff like frog's legs. Uh, you know, there's like six or seven different types of noodles. It's very cool. You can choose from six or seven different types of soup bases. And basically, they'll all cook it for you and deliver it to your table. And the great thing about that is that, like, I can't get my kids to agree on anything. So <laughs> this way, everyone gets the flavor that they want. I get to have spicy if I want. They can have plain. And uh, everyone has a great old time. And it's pretty reasonable if you compare it to the other places, cost-wise. And they give you free ice cream at the end. So uh, I like that one quite a bit. Um, but do you guys have any recommendations for me? Uh I actually haven't go out for hot pot for a while. So usually we do a hot pot in at home. Uh, so it's because it's pretty easy, right? You just need a good soup base, and then you just need to chop up ingredients and buy, like for example, uh, you can go as luxury with the ingredients as you want. Like we sometimes buy crab or even lobster or abalone. Yeah, or like geo duck. Uh, but you can we can as simple as simply as having just like fish balls and like veggie tofu like what, what else uh, i put noodles in mine yeah udon uh udon is one of my favorites uh for hot pot and and um yeah that's pretty much it so for me i usually have it at home with my family and our pot has a um it's split into, into two so then you have two different uh, soup base Mm. And then uh, we would just fill the table of different foods, so you can just grab whatever you want to eat and just shove it in. Yeah, it's it's good to have if you're gonna do it at home. It's good to have a pot that has at least two, two different flavors. flavors. So then, as 
as Mark mentioned, nobody can make a decision. <laughs> so at least you have two choice and uh, yeah. you can, if you want spicy, you can have spicy if you want plain. And then afterwards, plain. we also have like our fridge is full of different sauces. So you can uh, make your own sauce to go with your hot pot. Yeah, the sauces is very important yeah. <laughs> uh, to add to. Because especially during hot pot, you don't, uh, it's, it's not a lot of taste to the food uh, other than the soup base, right? So the sauce actually adds to it. So definitely one of my tips is to uh, prepare a lot of sauce. Yeah, yeah agreed. Yeah, hot pot at home is definitely great. I actually had hot pot with my family for Christmas Eve. It's always fantastic. It's fun to do at home, fun to do it out. And everyone gets whatever ingredients they want. Like we'll throw in, my oldest loves instant noodles. So we'll throw in some instant noodles yeah. there near the end. I got some tofu skin recently, and that was awesome in there. Get some mushrooms. I actually love tofu, so like five different kinds, puff tofu, um, firm tofu, tofu skin, whatever whatever way you can have it. Love that in there. And it's so good that in Vancouver, there's so many like grocery stores that you can buy it. Like There's Korean places like H Mart. There's TNT where you can get yeah. thin sliced meat. And most recently, I was at Walmart in Richmond, and they have thinly sliced hot pot meat in their freezer section as well. So I was just kind of blown away by that. Lots of places yeah. you can get your uh, hot pot ingredients. Yeah, you went to the right city, uh, the correct city to oh, buy yeah. hot pot ingredients, <laughs> <right>. basically. <laughs> no, doubt. Yeah. no doubt. So I don't have a lot of experience with hot pot. It seems to be something that's best shared with larger groups. Like, it's not you're not just going to go to the hot pot restaurant by yourself, right? Yeah. But I did have it quite recently with Marie and Pauline at Pax Unplugged. Uh, Steph from First Fish Games, another local publisher, kindly organized a, a group outing. And I think it was, was it called Chubby Cattle, I think was the name? Yeah, I, I think so, yeah. Yeah. yeah chubby Cattle, because yeah. we have Chubby Lamb, right? So it was Chubby Cattle. Yeah. <laughs> in Philadelphia, yeah. Yes, yeah. So, yeah, yeah Phil uh, the convention in Philadelphia was right next to Chinatown, so lots of good food there. I don't have, again, don't have a lot of point of reference for how it compares, but it, it was with a lot of friends, so always good fun. And you, you mentioned sauce, and I do recall they brought out these little mix-your-own-sauce with, like, a dozen different bowls to, to add various toppings to your own sauce. And I think ours ended up a little too garlicky, but uh, a lot of options there to, to customize. Yeah, that's one. I love the sauce bar at the hot pot restaurants. <laughs> yeah, that, that's uh, experience itself. Well, speaking of Philadelphia yeah. oh, totally. and, and not keeping it too Vancouver-centric, I'm curious if the, you checked out uh, Reading Terminal Market over there. Oh, yeah. We go there all the time, for, especially for breakfast. Breakfast and lunch because and your smoothie too and my smoothie. <laughs> so, it's a great place, you know. If you can't get any veggies elsewhere, the the veggie smoothie at the reading market is a great option. Do that for uh, for detox afterwards. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So usually, what Pauline does is she go for her smoothie in the morning. I go for the coffee in the morning. Excellent. Yeah, and then we will go to the across from it. There's the sandwich, sandwich shop, yeah. and then we buy it to either eat it for, or we actually, because the, the sandwich is so big, we eat half of it for breakfast and the other half for Oh yeah, most night. of the sandwiches there I got were enormous. I had to, I had to save that for, uh, for, for later. Luckily we had a, a fridge in the hotel. Uh, my, my favorite discovery there for speaking of breakfast was there was a pretzel place that did like breakfast pretzel wraps. So it was like, sausage and, and egg and cheese wrapped in a, like a, with a pretzel wrapped around it uh, a couple of those oh. for breakfast re really hit the spot so I definitely went back there a few times oh we haven't tried that we're gonna 
Yeah. Yeah. This year. Or this year. Or ask you, uh, we'll ask you to bring, bring us to there. <laughs> yes, yes, hopefully. I'll definitely back only try a fraction of, of what there is to offer in there. The What was it? The Dutch Eating Place. That was a um, one of the, the various uh, sort of Amish run uh, restaurants there. The, the apple dumplings were incredible. So when I first went through, they had like a pile of them in the window, just stacks and stacks of these apple dumplings. So I definitely knew I had to go back there. And the day after the convention, I, I went back and it did not disappoint. Those are very good dumplings. Nice. So this is all near the Reading Terminal Market in Philadelphia, yeah, right? Yes, yeah, so this is similar to our Granville Island here in Vancouver. Yeah. Where it's basically an indoor market with like... I think it's like 70 little eateries all like stacked inside together. And like there's a wide variety of, of cuisines and, and, and styles. You've got a lot of sandwiches. Like Philadelphia is big on sandwiches of, of various kinds. But there's also a, there's an Indian place and a Chinese place and uh, several Amish run bakeries and like a Cajun place. They, they had a really good sandwich there. Nice. Hey, Marie, did you have any more Vancouver-based restaurants on your list? Uh, well, I kind of have to mention, well, because we, uh, we love dim sum, right? So I kind of have to mention the one dim sum restaurant, uh, which is called Fisherman Terrace. Uh, it's a Chinese dim sum restaurant located in the Aberdeen Mall in Richmond. So this is basically our go-to dim sum restaurant for my family. And uh, other than that, I am a big uh big uh, Greek food uh, lover. So uh, one of my favorite Greek food place will be uh, Tavana Gorgona, so which is in Latner. Um, so Latner is actually just across the tunnel from Richmond. And uh, so the restaurant is it's pretty unique. Uh, so they, they kind of feel it like, like a Greek like style building where like it's the restaurant is like painted white, I think. And then there's uh, white and blue, basically. You, like, like yeah. So basically, if you look from afar, you immediately know that it's a Greek restaurant. Uh, but yeah, their their calamari was great. Uh, what was the food that you liked the most? Oh, well, their leaves. Yeah, what's it called? Uh, domantes. Domant. Yeah, yeah, great vine leaves that's wrapped that's wrapping like the the beef or like the meat. That was really good. It reminds me of the Chinese dim sum, you know, sticky rice wrapping. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, I got a good idea. All right. Pop quiz. Everyone's favorite dim sum dish, starting with Daniel. Oh, I um, mean, is Xiaolong Bao dim sum? I've, I've heard that's a, yeah. that's a divisive yeah. topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, could be, yeah. yeah. Could be as long as it comes in the steamer, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, exactly. that's, that's generally what I'm going for first. Uh, I think for me, it would have to be uh, the short ribs or the, the black bean, ribs in black bean sauce. Sometimes at my place uh, at Pink Pearl, it comes with um, like kabocha pumpkin slices. Mm. Oh, yeah. That one's yeah, delicious. Does, yeah. Get a little hit of meat and umami flavor in there while you're uh, tasting um, some delicious dumplings. How about you, uh, Marie? Mm -hmm. Your top dim sum dish. Uh, my favorite will be shrimp dumpling, I think, uh, because of the, the translucent kind of wrapping and then the huge amount of shrimp inside the dumpling. So when I was a kid, I, I used to eat the dumpling skin <laughs> and the shrimp separately and on purpose. But now I 
now I know, as an adult, I know how to eat it properly. So I eat it together. Nice, classic. That's hargao, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then for me,、right. one of my favorite is、uh, the barbecue pork bun. Ooh, it's pretty、um, good. Yeah, both the both the pan,、uh, I said bake one and the steam one. I like both the versions. And there's also a third version I also like, which is like there's uh, it's baked, but the top is like has like sugar coated. Mm. Um, kind of like the pineapple bun. Yeah, like pineapple bun. Yeah, yeah.、Oh. but there's like pork inside barbecue pork.、Yeah. So much good stuff. You're making me hungry. <laughs> <laughs>、uh, and on that note, I think we've been talking for a while about delicious food in Vancouver, Richmond, BC, and even Philadelphia.、Uh, maybe we should wind it down and then talk about what other things we're working on, future projects. I know Marie and Pauline, you're working on. Future fun stuff like Moon Bunny. So you want to tell us about what you're working on these days? Besides Moon Bunny, I guess uh, uh, we're also like trying to think of different games that's also based on the Asian culture, which we have an idea, but we haven't really、uh, put it in place yet.、Uh, so we're we've been working on like two or three games at the same time.、Uh, obviously, Moon Bunny is the one that is、uh, closest to completion. So we've been doing like graphic design,、uh, wrapping up development,、uh, do more playtesting with it. Uh, we're working with an artist in Toronto、um, to spice up the game, <laughs>、mm-hmm. and、uh, and also planning uh, uh, the Steam Up expansion.、Um, yeah, so then that way we can. I know there's a lot of Steam Up fans, and we want to also in in、uh, in introduce other dim sum as well into the game. Very fun, more、so、more dim sum to squish. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly,、yeah. like we mentioned it in passing, but squishy dim sum in the deluxe set is like chef's kiss, like perfect. <laughs> I can just squish that all day long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah th- that's like one of our, our thing when we design Steam Up. It's like we gotta add that into the game, right?、Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes it more you know unique. And、uh, something it's, it's different than having like a hard plastic game. It, it just gives a different vibe. Yeah. So great. So you're working on Moon Bunny. Any other games on the horizon that we can talk about? We're hoping to. Well, we have an idea yet, but we haven't really、uh, fully designed it. Is another maybe、uh, one game that is based on Chinese New Year or the Lunar New Year. Yeah.、Um, So yeah, we're it's still very early stage. Lots <laughs> of ideas in the oven. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's、too. great. It's、yeah. great to hear that there's plenty of more themes and ideas coming forth from Hot Banana Game uh, Games. Uh, so I'm very excited for everything that you're you're cooking up. <laughs> Thank you. We're looking forward to. Uh, Uh, introduce it to everybody soon. Awesome. Well, as soon as you have news to share, let us know. We'd be happy to spread the word、um, about whatever you guys are working on. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. And where can we find you on on social media? Yeah, you can find us at、uh, Hot Banana Game uh, on uh, X or formerly Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram.、Um, we. Uh, also, our website hopanegame.com. You will find everything you need to know from us. Fantastic! Excellent, Daniel. Do you have anything else you want to promote? Yeah, well, if you like food and games, you'll find plenty of both over at Board Game Feast, which is my my personal channel.、Uh, just recently, I put out a little retrospective of my, all the 
food I cooked up throughout the year over on my blog. That should just be boardgamefeast.com. So you can see a a gallery of of all my board game themed food I crafted over the year. And I'm just uh, putting the finishing touches on this year's board game themed gingerbread. I always make one of those over the holiday period. So by the time you're listening to this, that should be uh, out on my on my socials. So board game feast on, I, I'm, I'm tentatively not on Twitter anymore, but you can find me on Blue Sky, on Threads, on Instagram uh, and TikTok. All right. And uh, I joined Blue Sky since last episode. I think I'm just stalking there. I'm not posting anything really. If you're curious, I think it's Mark Uesa at blue sky, whatever, whatever. Uh, So check me out there. Uh, (laughs) I'll just mention the news that happened since that last episode is that Terminal City Tabletop Convention tickets are now on sale. So go check those out. I think you still might be able to get early bird tickets. I don't know. Yes, should be through through the end of January, I believe. I I should should say I am uh, involved in helping organize that. I have no uh, monetary investment in it, but I, I am on the committee for help, helping organize that convention. Yeah, but it's fun. It's a fun event. Uh, great in this uh, Vancouver uh, area. Daniel and I will definitely be there. I think, Marie and Pauline, you were there last year, right? Yeah, we will be there next year as well. Uh, this year. Yeah, we're we're very excited that it's got moved to the Vancouver Convention Center yes. for the yeah. first time. That's great news. So it's it's exciting, it's getting bigger. Yeah. yeah, it's a big move. There should be a lot more space there, uh, if you, especially if you're yeah. missing shucks from last year. We're now basically in the same venue. So cool. Mm-hmm. We're very yeah, excited. That's great. For it. So we'll all see each other there and maybe some of you listening as well. So I want to thank you again, Marie and Pauline, so much for joining us for our 50th episode. I didn't know if we would make it, but we made it somehow. Maybe we'll do a few more after this. Maybe we'll make it to the 100. I don't know. I'm invite you back. We'll see. I am. We're looking forward to the hundred episode. The second then. course. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and I really, really appreciate your food tips. So I'll be checking out some of the the restaurants you named. Anyone visiting here for Shucks or TCTC can check out those restaurants as well. And uh, yeah, otherwise, reach out to us over social media. Go to our website at Omni uh, OmniGamers dot club, and tell us about games you've been playing, food games that remind you of precious food memories, and uh, just what you're up to. We love the feedback. Thanks, Marie and Pauline. Yes, thanks for thanks for joining us. Thank you for inviting us to uh, join you for today's 50th episode. Congratulations on that. And uh, I guess we should just quickly announce for the next episode of the podcast, uh, I think we're going to go back to our regularly scheduled formats, and we haven't covered a video game in a while. So, Mark, what are we covering? I think we just announced it, or we just decided upon it, but we're going to be playing a strategy game. I think it's only on PC at this point. It's called Against the Storm. I haven't even played it yet, but I own it, so (laughs) Daniel's forcing me to play it. I think it could be fun, though. Yeah, so this just hit 1.0. It's been early access for a while. It is on PC Game Pass, if if you have that, uh, which is always a nice little boon, and it's a roguelike city builder. So fascinating concepts. Early impressions have, for me have been very strong. So I'm looking forward to diving into that. Very cool. And we'll have that next time. Sometime in 2024. See you next year. See you in 2024. See you on the other side. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Marie and Pauline. Absolutely. Thank you. And until next time, have a very balanced diet of gaming. 